Morning, peace be with you. Well, welcome to Sojourn. My name is Brian Lapina. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and I'm up front a lot, but this is the first time I'm uh, privileged to, to preach and excited to bring the word this morning and uh, thankful to be here. I've been uh, on staff here at Sojourn. We moved down to Louisville uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, before I came down here to serve, I was uh, helping pastor a, a church in Ohio that actually we uh, planted with, with Pastor Kevin. I've been friends with Kevin for almost 20 years now, which is kind of crazy. Uh, we became friends when I was a freshman in high school, and so it's fun to be able to, uh, to be working together again. I serve here at Sojourn East as the associate pastor, which means I get to explain what that means uh, when I tell people that. And basically, I wear a lot of different hats, but um, I help oversee our budget. I help oversee all of our operations, help oversee our staff. I, I help help make the make the place run as best as I can. We have a good team, but uh, it's, a, it's a great job. I love being here. I love serving um, this church. It's been a blast to get to know so many of you guys, and uh, we've really felt welcomed here, me and my family, and uh, it's been a, a joy to, to make this church our home and uh, to be in community with you all. Um, I introduced my family. I've got a picture of them. Uh, this is my crew, uh, my wife Jackie and I. We've been married for 10 years. We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Uh, we are high school sweethearts. And uh, yeah, can I get a clap for 10 years? Get some sort of response usually. We got two boys. Uh, my oldest is Brian. He's four. And Jonathan is two. They are uh, a blast. They are a lot of work. We laugh a lot in our house. And we try to yell less than we laugh. And uh, it goes pretty well so far. They are uh, a huge blessing in our lives. And uh, our boys are really kind of the, uh, we, we adopted them both at birth. or the the culmination of uh, just uh, several years that we went through, um, about five or six years that, that Jackie and I went through of trying to start a family of our own and, and going through infertility and, and uh, all of it, the doctor's visits, the, the medicine, the procedures, the counseling, uh, just a, a really tough season in our lives where we learned a lot about suffering, learned a lot about patience as, as life takes twists and turns that you don't expect, but uh, we are, are blessed to have our, our, our two boys and you know, we thought that uh, in that season of, of suffering, we learned everything we needed to about patience, and then God brought two little kids into our lives. And uh, as it turns out, there's a lot more to learn, and there's a lot more to grow in. And uh, the, the fruit that we have this morning of, as we've been going through this series of the fruit of the Spirit through the summer, is, uh, is patience. The first three weeks were, it was love, joy, peace. Those are the feel-good ones, right? Everyone wants that, but then we get to patience, and patience, it's a little more grown and a little bit, ugh, that, that one's hard, right? We want other people to have patience, but patience in our own lives is, is difficult. And it's difficult because life is difficult. Life is hard. People are hard. And, and I love the honesty that the, the Bible has when it comes to patience. Uh, the King James Version translates patience as long-suffering, right? That is suffering for a long time with, with life and with people. It captures well the, how, we, how we deal with the people in our lives that maybe disappoint us, frustrate us, or, or irritate us. Uh, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes, he says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? Bearing with one another. What, what a great description of, of patience, of, of, of life with one another at times. You know, we 
I just told you my, Jackie and I, we celebrated our 10 year anniversary and we had saved for a couple of years to, to take a, a celebration trip. And we just got back a couple of weeks ago. We um, gave the kids to my parents. They took them for the week. We hopped on a plane, flew down to the Caribbean and spent a week at, uh, at an all-inclusive resort. It was amazing. And so we're, we're sitting at the beach or we're sitting at the pool. Those were our two locales and um, no kids, no responsibilities. We had a maid that cleaned our room. People brought us food and drinks uh, whenever we wanted. We, we lacked for nothing. And I'm thinking, it's a good thing they asked me to preach on patience because I was patient as could be on that trip. More patient than I've been in a long time. The reality is it's because that's not real life, right? It was easy to be patient when everyone's serving you, but that is not how life works. And, and what we see is that patience and, and all these fruit, really, they don't get cultivated in a vacuum. They, they get cultivated in, in real life, in relationships with other people who often will try our patience. See, this is how the fruit of the Spirit grow and are developed in our lives is that God will send circumstances or, or situations or people into our lives where we're gonna be tempted to have the opposite reaction, the opposite reaction of patience or of love or of joy or peace. And so the real test of patience is not how do you do if you're sitting on the beach. The real test of your patience is, is how do you respond when, when someone lets you down? How do you respond when your kids repeat the same mistake over and over again? Or when your coworkers irritate you and, and don't live up to, to their end of the bargain or your spouse doesn't follow through on a commitment that he made? These are the times, these are the moments in our lives when we really need patience. Our, our desire for this series and as we look at these fruit of the spirit is that they become virtues more and more in our lives, habits that really characterize who we are. That, that, these, that these fruit serve as signposts of the Holy Spirit that's living within us as we seek to follow Christ. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless how, of how other people might treat us. And so what we've been doing in order to, to help us is we've been looking at the life of Jesus, kind of our, our perfect model of of who would have the fruit, these fruit of the Spirit. And then we've been looking at how he displays them and how what we can learn from him. And so what I want to do this morning is look at uh, an important interaction in John chapter 21. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. It's in your bulletin. John chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. It's this important conversation between Jesus and the Apostle Peter. I'm going to just take a moment to kind of set up, set the stage for this conversation. Um, Peter was the, he was the leader of the disciples. And so Jesus, during his ministry, his, his few years of, of ministry, he, he had a group of disciples, a dozen of them that he invested in, that he built in, that he kind of shared everything he knew with. And, and Peter was, was one of the guys that Jesus particularly invested in. He was kind of in the inner circle of the disciples. And so Jesus, he, he, uh, with, with Peter, Peter used to be named Simon. And Jesus said, you know what, Simon, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rename you. You're gonna be named Peter now. And Peter means the rock. Right? You're gonna be this, this foundational guy in the early church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build this thing with you. Uh, when Jesus goes to, to the mount for, the, for, for his transfiguration, where he's, uh, he's with Moses and Elijah, and, and it's this just incredible scene. Who does he bring with him? 
he brings Peter along. And so Peter is this, this really important, crucial disciple of Jesus. But Peter, as many of you know, he, he also put his foot in his mouth a lot, right? He was also at times didn't understand what Jesus was, was trying to accomplish and, and would get overeager and overambitious. And so, you know, there's one interaction where Jesus is sharing uh, his plans and, and what, what he's going to do. And Peter says, no, no, we're not going to do that. That's a bad idea. And Jesus basically says, get behind me, Satan like calls him out and says, you don't know what you're talking about. Get out of my way. When, when they're at the, the Last Supper, Jesus is sharing his last meal with his disciples. He, um, he, he tells them, hey, this is what's gonna happen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be betrayed. I'm gonna be arrested. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna die. And, and Peter says, no, no, I, I'm gonna stick with you to the end. I'll stick with you to the death. Um, I'll never leave your side, Jesus. And Jesus basically there says, no, you won't. No, no. in fact, Peter, you're going to deny me before this night's over. Three times you're going to deny me. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. Jesus gets betrayed. He's arrested. It's, it's in the darkest hours of Jesus' life. And Peter, his, his closest guy, what does he do? He totally denies Jesus. Three separate occasions, kind of random people come up and say, hey, you know that Jesus guy, right? You're his friend, you're associated with him. And Peter says, no, I don't even know that guy. Don't, don't, don't put my name with him. Three times he does it. And this passage that we're gonna look at, it's the first conversation that we have between Jesus and Peter after all that happened. It's after the, resurrection, it's after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus says, has risen from the dead. He is visiting his disciples and, and, um, and seeing some of his followers. And, and Jesus shows up to the disciples after a night of fishing. There's this miraculous catch that he, he instructs his uh, disciples to do. And, and they all rush to the shore. They're excited to see Jesus. And uh, he's waiting there with breakfast for them. And this conversation is what occurs um, between Jesus and Peter. And so I want to invite you once more to, to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word as we look at this interaction. John writes, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Not really the conversation you would expect, but, but I think this conversation is a, a beautiful display of the patience of Jesus. And what I want us to do with our time is to draw out three qualities of patience, three things that we can learn from the patience that Jesus has with his disciple, Peter. And these three, three things are that patience is, is grounded in grace. Patience has a goal for transformation. And that patience understands that growth takes time. There's grace, there's goal, and there's understanding growth. The first patience is grounded in grace. I kind of think about where Peter's at in this conversation. Peter has completely blown it. 
you know, three times. It's not, it wasn't just a once uh, isolated instance. Three times Peter denies Jesus. And Jesus, in this conversation, three times asks Peter, hey, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he's doing this intentionally. He knows what he's doing. It's a, it's a painful conversation for Peter because it's drawing up exactly what he did. It's putting Peter's sin right on front street, right? There's no avoiding it. And, and you know, Peter, the third time he gets hurt, you know, you know all things, Lord, I love you. I think about Peter, you know, surely he's played out this conversation. What am I gonna say to Jesus? How's this gonna go hundreds of times before this happened. What's he, what's he feeling? What's he thinking? What's he thinking that Jesus is going to respond with? I want you to think of, think of when, when you've blown it. You know, times in your life where, where you've really messed up, you've, you've fallen into to some sort of uh, just, just bad sin. You know, not just the, the little incidents that, that, that happened, but, but something, something deep, you've really messed up. In those moments, when you're feeling guilty, when you're feeling down, how do you think God's posture is towards you in that moment. What, what's, the, what's the gaze on his face at that, at that time? Is it a look of, of disappointment? Is it a look of anger, frustration? Maybe it's a sense of, of writing you off. Well, it was just a matter of time. I think so often in our lives, our, our starting place is, is the law. Our starting place is this, this idea, this, this principle that guides us and how we go through life. And this idea that if you do good, then you're going to be rewarded. And if you do badly, then you're going to get punished, right? There's, there's cause and effect. And so if you work really hard in school, then you're going to get good grades. If you work hard in your job, you're going to get promoted and vice versa. If you do badly in your job, you're, you're going to get let go. If you're a jerk to people, people aren't going to like you. We, we live and operate in this way. In a lot of ways, it's how our world works. It's what's wired into us, that, that we start with law. Good equals good and bad equals bad. But that's not where Jesus starts. For Jesus, grace comes first. See, Jesus, it's, it's amazing. Jesus doesn't write Peter off. Right? Jesus doesn't say, look, you had your chance. I even told you it was coming. I'm done with you. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even wait until Peter comes to him with remorse and asks for forgiveness. No, Jesus, he goes to Peter and he goes to him with a painful but with a gracious conversation. He forgives him. He embraces Peter. He unconditionally welcomes him back. And what I want us to realize is that this isn't a one-time event for Jesus. This wasn't something that he did once and that, that wasn't normally how he operated. This is who Jesus is. This is what he is like. It's how he lived his life. You know, Jesus came not in order to condemn us, not in order to punish us for our sins, but, it, but in order to save us. Jesus comes not to bring the law, but to bring grace. Grace is the starting point for patience. So the truth is you're, you're never going to understand what the Bible says and calls us to around patience until you understand grace. You're never going to be able to, to do it until you understand that in Jesus, you are accepted. Jesus has welcomed you in. You are made righteous because of him. And because of that, the pressure's off. 
right? We don't have to perform. We don't have to, to live up to a certain standard in order to be welcomed by Jesus Christ. One of the things we like to say is that the grace, it doesn't keep score. It doesn't keep score. See, grace is what makes Christianity so different and so life-changing. See, grace, what it does is it shifts our attitude. When it, when it enters into our lives, it shifts our attitude towards other people and enables us to be patient. And so what can happen when grace is, is operating in your life, when someone slights you, when someone doesn't give you the respect that you feel like you deserve, you don't have to write them off. You don't have to shut them down. Instead, you can welcome them back in because Christ didn't write you off. Because, right, because Christ didn't shut you down when you, were, when you were sinning. When you're let down, when you're disappointed by, by someone who breaks their promise to you, you can forgive because Christ has also forgiven you. You know, I know in my own life, when I think about patience and when you prepare a sermon on patience, you kind of, you have to think about how you do in being patient in your own life. I realize that a lot of times when I, when I lose patience, it's when I feel like, like someone else's shortcomings or someone else's, um, yeah, shortcomings it, that it makes me look bad. You know, that, that what they've done is going to reflect poorly on me. And, and when I say it out loud, I realize how selfish it sounds, and it is selfish. And so I think, think we all have different, different areas that, that, that try our patience, but that's a, that's a big one in my own life. But, but when grace breaks through, when grace breaks into my heart, it, it changes my attitude around those things. It changes for, for a couple reasons. First, it makes me realize, thank God that that's not how God operates towards me. Thank goodness that, that God doesn't say, all right, how, how is Brian's actions and the way he's living my life making me look? Right, because my life is so inconsistent. I fall so short, but instead God says, no, I, I'm bringing you in in spite of your inconsistencies, in spite of how, how it might make me look. The second is grace, grace tells me that my identity is secure in Jesus Christ. That I don't have to worry about what other people think of me or, or how, how I look, how I present myself. I don't need to worry about how I look to others because grace has broken through. And so if we want to be a people who are patient, who, who exercise this fruit, we need to understand that grace comes first. The second thing we, we learn is that, that patience, it has a goal. Patience has a goal for transformation. What we see in this conversation as Jesus interacts with Peter, is that, that Jesus didn't simply just forgive Peter and move on, right? It was bigger than that. It was deeper than that. So when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, I, I love you. He says, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, take care of my people. This passage is, is called the, the reinstatement of Peter, that Jesus in this conversation is putting Peter back into leadership. He's restoring him back to where he was. He's saying, look, I know you messed up and I know you denied me, but this isn't going to prevent you from accomplishing what I've called you to do. And so Peter goes on, in fact, to be a key leader of the church, leads the early church in the New Testament. He writes a couple books in the New Testament. He's this pillar of the faith. And it's all because Jesus, he, he had a goal for Peter. 
He had a desire and a goal for his growth and his development and his transformation. Jesus had vision for Peter. See, patience, it has a vision. It has a goal. It's one of the reasons that, that I want to be patient with my kids. Right? When, when my son is, is acting like a fool, like I don't want to write him off. I don't want to throw my hands up in the air and say, you know what? I'm done with you. Get out of here. Get out of, get out of my face. You know, because that's, that's a lot of times, that's what impatience is, right? Impatience is in our heart when, when someone does something to us and we say, you know what? I'm done. I, I can't deal with it any longer. I don't have time for this. We write them off, right? There's a, there's a cynicism. There's a, there's a hopelessness to it. But patience, no, it invites us to step in. I want to have patience with my son, right? I want to sit down with him and I, I, want, to, I want to talk and, and be calm and instruct him. Explain to him why, why yelling and growling at his mom is not okay. That's not going to be good for him long-term. Why, why he can't just run off to, his, to the neighbor's house without telling us, right? I, I want to be patient with him because I've got a vision for his life. Right? I want my son to grow up to be a mature adult, I want him to be a, a man who, who, is, who is tough and courageous, but is also tender and, and kind. I don't want my son to, to love Jesus, to love the people around him well, to love his wife well. I want my son to be a, a man who displays the fruit of the Spirit. And, and God has, has put me in his life in a unique position to try to, to cultivate that in his life. My son doesn't have that sort of vision for his life. He's four years old. Like he wants to know what his next show is gonna be. He wants to know when he can go outside. He wants to know what kind of treat he can have, right? But, but, that's, but that's my job. That's my responsibility to have a vision for his life that's greater than the one that he has for himself. And the reality is that takes, that takes patience. It takes time. It takes me being willing to step in and speak to him. You see, Patience, it's not passive. A lot of times we think of patience and we just think it's, it's our ability to, to ignore when things bother us. Or it's, it's our ability to just grin and bear it and say, you know what, I'm not gonna let this bother me. I'm not gonna let this bother me. I'm gonna be patient. No, it's active. Patience means we, we speak the truth in love. We, we step into a situation for the good of another person that we love. We say, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna have grace about what you've done or, or not done. And I wanna step in, I wanna see you grow. See, patience, it requires an intentionality an attentiveness in our lives. I think for, for so much of us, I know for myself, our lives are, are just reaction, right? Things happen to us and then we react. So a circumstance occurs, a, a conversation happens and, and we have a gut reaction and then we just go instead of maybe stopping and pausing and saying, you know what, what's, what's God doing here? How, what's, what's he inviting me into? How could God be using this situation for my own growth and for the growth of another person? Or do you have that kind of goal? Do you have that kind of vision for the people that are in your circle of influence? A vision for their flourishing and for their growth. Jesus had that vision for Peter. And just like he had a vision for Peter, I think Jesus also has a vision for our lives, a vision for your life, a vision for, for you to be conformed to his image, to become more and more like Jesus. 
a vision for us to be, to be men and women who are marked by these fruits of the Spirit, that we would be continually growing in love and in joy and in peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That we would be lights in a dark world who are desperately lost. That we would be people who have a, a grit and a resiliency in our lives, a foundation that, that we can go through whatever life might throw our way. And so sometimes I believe that God, he sends difficult situations and life circumstances or difficult people into our lives, not in order to, to get in our way and just frustrate us, but in order to grow us, to teach us patience, to shape us into the men and women that he's created us to be. Right, Jesus, he's got a vision that's greater than simply just our, our comfort or, or our ability to, to survive this life. He's got a vision for our flourishing and for our growth. So Jesus has this great vision for Peter. He's a great vision for our lives, but he also understands a critical thing. It's our third point, that patience understands that growth takes time. Growth takes time. This was not the first time that Peter had messed up. And it wasn't gonna be the last time either. And, and Jesus knew that. In fact, a few years down the road, Peter, he, he has to get called out by the Apostle Paul for acting like a hypocrite towards non-Jewish Christians. And see, Jesus understood all this. He, he knew all this, and yet he puts Peter in this place anyway. Because Jesus understood that spiritual growth, it takes time. It doesn't happen automatically. So often our growth, it's two steps forward and it's one step back. It's, it's slow. I think, I think we understand that, um, that physically and emotionally as, as human beings that, that we develop, right? We're developmental beings. And so at, at different ages, we have different expectations, different stages of life where we're asking different questions. We're experiencing different things. There's, there's different things that we're learning. And so we don't treat four-year-olds like we treat 14-year-olds, right? We don't have the same expectations. We don't want them to know we don't have these, these expectations for, for what they should know. We don't talk to them, have the same conversations with them. We don't treat 14-year-olds like we treat 40-year-olds, right? We, we know that, that at different times, we're developmental. And so the Bible teaches the same thing for where we are spiritually. We're in different places developmentally in our spiritual life. And so in First Peter, later on, Peter writes in chapter two, he says he encourages his readers to, to crave the spiritual milk, kind of as newborn Christians to crave spiritual milk as they seek to grow. But then in Hebrews chapter five, verses 13 and 14, the, the author of Hebrews, he, he's criticizing his readers. He's saying, why are you still drinking milk? You should be on to solid food by now, right? There, there's, a, there's a development, there's a growth that occurs. And we need to understand this if we're going to understand how we grow and mature as Christians within the church. I think this is something that the church has a really hard time with, that we don't understand very well. I think one of the reasons that, one of the things that we, we have a challenge, have a hard time knowing is that, that age does not necessarily equal spiritual maturity. Right? Age and maturity are not not necessarily always tied together. And so, so there are some of you here that, that are in your, your 20s and you've been following Jesus and, and having a relationship with him for, 
for over a decade. And then there's others of us in this room that, that, that maybe you're in your 60s and you've only really been following Jesus for, for a few months, right? right? You're in a different place. And so there's different things that we learn. There's different things that we, we grow in as, as our relationship with Jesus deepens. There's different starting places that we're at. We don't all start at the same place, depending on how our life has been. And so that can be frustrating at times, or it can also be a really beautiful thing. It can be a beautiful picture of the body of Christ working together as we have patience with one another, knowing that we're all in different places. We're, we're struggling and dealing with different things. I think the, the, the second thing we have trouble with is oftentimes in the church, we, we kind of expect this, this instant maturity. That kind of the moment someone you know, accepts Christ, it's like, all right, now here's all the things that you should have dealt with in your life. You know, and it's, and it's tough for us to be patient. That if we show patience once and, and the same thing kind of recurs, we, we get tired. We get frustrated. We say, why are, you, why are you still struggling with this? Why is this still a problem? Just, just believe these things and, and everything will be different. And the reality is, is that our growth, it's slow. It's bumpy. It's not that easy. You know, when, when I got married, up until the moment I got married, I'd spent my entire life not being married, Right? Not, not real complicated. But the moment I got married, I didn't know what it meant necessarily to be a husband. I knew in my head, I knew some things that I had learned, but, but it took years. It takes a long time to learn what it looks like to be in, in this new kind of relationship. I had to unlearn habits or start new habits in my marriage. I wasn't single anymore. In the same way, it takes a long time as we begin to follow Christ of what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, we, we tell our, our son that there are a lot of things that he, he can't do until he's bigger, right? He wants to be able to do everything. He thinks he can do everything. We say, no, you, you got to be bigger before you can do that. And so pretty much every morning for the last couple months, when he wakes up, he walks into the room and he says, look, dad, I'm bigger. I'm bigger now. <laughs> and, and it's cute, but it's like, no, like you're a little bigger, but that's not really how it works. Like you got a ways to go still, man. Like you're not, you're not bigger yet. See, growth, it, it doesn't happen overnight. We don't, we don't grow physically overnight and we don't grow spiritually overnight. But oftentimes that's what we want. And that's kind of what we expect from ourselves and from other people. I think our culture has, has become obsessed over the last couple of decades with, with convenience, with speed, and with entertainment. Convenience, speed, and entertainment. So think of Netflix, Netflix is like the epitome of convenience, speed, and entertainment. Or the way that we consume our news, it's convenient, it's fast, and it's entertaining. And as a result, I think it's, it's reduced our, our attention spans, that it's hard for us to stick with something for very long. It, uh, it, it's caused us to, to read less, and it caused us to be much more impatient as a people. And and it's, this isn't just a, a millennial thing, like those, those dang next generation kids, right? This is, this is all of us. You know, it's funny, I was, I was preparing uh, the sermon on, on Friday morning, I was in a coffee shop and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of eavesdropping over conversations because that's what you do in a coffee shop. And, uh, and there's this table of, of women next to me, there's about half a dozen women and they were, they were in their 60s and they're gathered, they're, they're playing bridge together. And, uh, 
And it was hilarious because every single one of them had their iPhones out on the table. And, and, and in between their turns, they're scrolling through, they're checking social media, they're texting, they're showing each other pictures on their phone, they're Googling stuff. And, and they're getting annoyed with each other because it'll be their turn like, hey, it's your turn. Quit looking at your phone. And I'm like, these are the conversations I have. And it, it, it's all of us that, that we've all kind of bought into this, this obsession with convenience, speed, and entertainment. And so what has happened is because of that, if something is difficult, then it means it's bad and to be avoided. If something's slow, it's bad. If something's boring, it's bad. We do everything that we can in our lives to avoid things that are difficult, slow, and boring. And the, the problem with that is, is that's exactly the pathway to growth, right? Growth in our lives, it's difficult, it's slow. And if we're honest, it can be a little boring at times, right? Our lives are like there, there's marvelous mixed in with the mundane. There, there's beauty and joy, but our lives are not a Hollywood highlight reel, right? It's day in and day out going to God's word, going to prayer, dealing with people in our lives. Growth takes time. It's slow. It's difficult. It's not entertaining at times. And it requires a lot of patience on our parts. And so we need to understand this as we interact with one another, as we think about the people in our lives, that growth takes time. And many of us today, you, you need to hear this word for yourselves. Right? Your, your biggest struggle in your life when it comes to patience is, is being patient with yourself. Right? How much frustration or, or disappointment or disillusionment do you have in your life because you're just not where you thought you would be? Right? You're, you're at a certain stage and you say, man, I thought, I thought I would be farther. I thought I wouldn't be still struggling with these same old sins. I didn't think I'd be stuck in this rut for this long. I didn't think I'd have these same challenges in this relationship for this long or these same sufferings or problems. And so, and so you're frustrated. You're impatient. You're angry. And maybe this morning what you need is to experience the grace of Jesus anew. Because Jesus knows. Jesus knows where you're at. You know, Jesus knew about Peter's great denial. He knew it was coming. He called it. And yet, it didn't stop him from engaging with Peter, from keeping Peter in leadership, from being in a relationship with Peter. Because Jesus knew growth takes time. And so there's a chance that maybe this morning you've got higher expectations for yourself than Jesus has for you. That, that you have a, an idea of your mind of where you think you should be by now. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not there yet. That you're frustrated because you're not sprinting through life. And Jesus says, my child, you, you need to learn how to walk first. You're still crawling. Come and learn from me. Come and grow there, there's grace. There is patience. We're, we're going to get there. See, Jesus, he is patient with you. He's patient with me. He knows that our growth is going to take a long time, that our, the journey is a bumpy one. And he's not going to give up on us just because we're not where we think we should be. 
It's why he came. It's why he went to the cross. It's why he shed his blood and why he rose again so that we could have life in him. As I've been working on this, the, there's been a passage in 1 Timothy that's, that's been comforting around patience where Paul, he writes, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Well, Paul acknowledges, man, I, I've got a lot of issues. I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of sin. But because of that, the patience of Jesus is shown so much more beautifully in my life. Jesus came to rescue us, to show his patience. He is patient with you, and we can celebrate that together. We can then go and be patient with those around us. The, the last meal that, that Jesus had with Peter before this meal on the beach was the Last Supper. And in that meal, he was with his disciples around the table, and he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant and my blood that's shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so every single week we, we come forward and those who are followers of Christ, we come and we, we take the bread and we dip it into the juice or the wine and it's remembering Christ's body broken for us and his blood shed for us. And it's an invitation this morning as we come forward to celebrate the patience that Jesus has with you, to, to receive the grace and the patience that he has in your life and to ask him to change your heart, to cultivate this fruit so that you can be patient with others. So I'm gonna pray and invite you when you're ready. Uh, you can come forward to partake and let's celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray.